Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. As always, we appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. Feel free to call in with your Bible question or comment. We'll deal, try to deal with any Bible question. I don't know all the answers every time. That's for sure. But one thing I will assure you of is that the Bible decides the answer to any issue or question. We know that the Bible is the word of God. And that it decides for us then what the truth is, religious truth. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It's not what we think, not some small, still voice that we hear in our mind or anything like that. God's word. Genesis to Revelation decides for us what the truth is. Uh, I'd like for you to call in to discuss the truth. I think that would be interesting to the callers, to the other listeners, for somebody to call in and discuss what the truth might be on any particular Bible question. That number to call, if you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open, of course, right now, 877-655-6755. Last week, we were talking about what I'm going to call the original doctrine. I get that name from 1 John 2.24. There the Bible says, if, and that's a big little word in the Bible, if, if that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. What this is saying is, and it's pretty serious, if we let the original teaching, the original doctrine, the thing that was taught from the very beginning remain in us, we'll be continuing in the Son and the Father. But here's what that implies based upon that word if. If we don't remain in the original teaching, the teaching heard from the beginning, what's represented by the New Testament, then we won't continue in the Son and the Father. And if you don't continue in the Son and the Father, of course you're not going to be saved. The only way we can be saved is through the Son and the Father. You see, it's more than just believing in Jesus. You have to remain in the teaching of Jesus. You have to follow the teaching of Jesus. And it's so serious that if you don't follow the teaching of Jesus, then you won't continue in the Son and Father and you won't be saved. Most churches, most preachers will say, well, but if you believe in Jesus, it doesn't really matter what you believe on these particular Things like, well, what we've talked about recently, once saved, always saved. Or do you have to be baptized to be saved? What about women preachers or, or gay marriage? All of those things don't matter. You can teach on either side of those and still be right with God if you believe in Jesus. That's not true. This is, if that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son of the Father. So if we don't remain in the original teaching, the teaching heard from the very beginning, then we won't continue in the Son and in the Father. We won't be saved. Let's, we were looking at some examples last week. Let's look at some more examples. Let's talk about the action or the mode of baptism, for example. A lot of people don't think this really matters, that it's not important in what how you baptize somebody, whether it's immersion or sprinkling. But Romans 6 verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. <clears throat> Now, this verse says we're buried with him, with Christ, by baptism. And you've probably heard me use this illustration before. When somebody dies and we take him out to the graveyard to bury them, 
Does that mean we sprinkle a little dirt on their head, or does that mean we put them all the way up under the ground? We know what it means. We know what buried means. We put them all the way up under the ground. So if we're going to bury somebody in baptism, is that going to mean, similarly, that we're going to sprinkle a little water in their head, or we're going to put them all the way up under the water? Well, we know what buried means, so that means we're going to put them all the way up under the water. Now, the Catholic Church, the church that started sprinkling for baptism, here's what they said in their adult catechism. They said baptism used to be given by placing the person to be baptized completely in the water. It was done in this way in the Catholic Church for 1,200 years. So even though they practice sprinkling now, they're admitting for the first 1,200 years, baptism was immersion, what we read in Romans 6, verse 4. And then another Catholic book, Our Faith in the Facts, says the church, I'm at the Catholic Church, at one time practiced immersion. This was up to the 13th century. The Council of Ravenna in 1311 change the form from immersion to pouring. Well, why did they think they had a right to change it? The Bible says we're buried with Christ in baptism. And when we bury somebody, that doesn't mean we sprinkle a little water on their head. It means we put them all the way up under the water. But the Catholic Church said in their council of Ravenna, they changed the form from immersion to pouring. Now, the Westminster Confession, if I'm not mistaken, is followed by many of the Presbyterian churches. Here's what they say. Presbyterians believe babies receive baptism by sprinkling of water. Now, let's think about that. Here we have Romans 6, verse 4, buried with him by baptism. Baptism is obviously an immersion all the way up under the water. But we have the Catholic Church and the Presbyterian Church practicing sprinkling. Now, are they remaining in the teaching heard from the beginning? No, I don't think so. The teaching heard from the beginning was buried with him by baptism, not sprinkled. And what is 1 John 2.24, the verse we started with, what does that say about people who are not remaining in the teaching heard from the beginning? It says they don't, if that which you have heard from the beginning, 1 John 2.24, shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and the Father. But these churches who are practicing sprinkling, they're not remaining in the teaching heard from the beginning that we see in Romans 6 verse 4, considering the action or the mode of baptism. Therefore, since they're not remaining in the teaching heard from the beginning, that would mean, according to 1 John 2, 24, they're not continuing in the Son and the Father. And we've all already agreed that you can't be saved without the Son and the Father. You see how serious this is? A lot of people think, well, I know in the Bible they practice immersion for baptism. But they say, I don't think it really matters. Well, why would God have put it in the Bible if it doesn't matter? <laughs> he says you... It's buried with him in baptism. And then he said in 1 John 2, 24, you have to remain in the teaching heard from the beginning to continue in the Son and the Father to be saved. That sounds like to me, you got to do more than just believe in Jesus to be saved. You got to follow the teachings of Christ to be saved. If he says buried with him in baptism, then that's what you need to do. And if you don't, you're not remaining in the teaching heard from the beginning. It's, therefore, you're not continuing in the Son and the Father. 1 John 2, 24, you won't be saved. Well, we talked about the action of baptism. Last week, we talked about whether or not infant baptism was scriptural. Let's talk about the purpose for baptism a minute. First, though, if you have a Bible question on this or any other topic, Bible topic, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call, 877-655-6755. Purpose for baptism. Why should you get baptized? Well, Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. According to Jesus, then, not only do you have to believe in Jesus to be saved, you have to be baptized to be saved. Now, I know a lot of people don't like that, 
maybe some of you are going to get mad at me for saying it, but all I'm doing is just repeating what Jesus said. Isn't Christianity supposed to be a religion that follows the teachings of Christ? Well, the teaching of Christ is you got to believe and be baptized to be saved. Mark 16, 16. That's what Jesus said. And then in Acts 2.38, Peter, talking to some believers, Acts 2.38, Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There you have it again. That's the second verse that teaches you got to be baptized to be saved from your sins. you got to repent. As a believer, you got to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So when a person is baptized, and not before, he received the remission of all his sins based upon the death of Christ. It's not the baptism that washes away the sin. It's the blood of Christ that washes away the sin. But the question is when? When does the blood of Christ wash away our sins? When we believe or when we repent or when we're baptized? This says you've got to repent and be baptized to get the remission of sins. There's the second verse that proves you've got to be baptized to be saved. We're talking about when are your sins washed away by the blood of Christ? That's easily answered by Acts, by Acts 22, 16. You know, Saul of Tarsus believed on the on the on believed in Jesus on the road to Damascus. You see that in Acts 9, Acts 22, Acts 26. Well, if you believed on the road to Damascus, believed in Jesus, according to most people's doctrine, you would have thought his sins were washed away when he believed in Jesus on the road to Damascus. But Ananias is sent to him and told, tells him in Acts 22, 16, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. This is at least three days after he believes in Jesus. He's told to do something to get his sins washed away. So the blood of Christ, no doubt, washes away our sins. There's no magic in the water, per se. The blood of Christ, though, when does it wash away our sins? Well, with Saul of Tarsus, it wasn't when he believed. It was when he was baptized. That's clear. If his sins were washed away when he believed, why did Ananias tell him to do something three days later to get his sins washed away? And it was to be baptized. There's the third verse that proves you've got to be baptized to be saved. And there's, there's six or eight of them. Let's look at one more before we move on. 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21 reads this way from the New King James Version. Who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was prepared in which a few, that is, eight souls were saved through water there is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we have a type going on here. Noah's family was saved through the water, uh, physical salvation. They didn't drown in the flood. The antitype, the thing that's being parallel to that, the comparison, is our baptism. What's the parallel? Well, both. Things involve water. The first one, waters of the flood. The second one, waters of baptism. Both involve a salvation, a physical salvation. Back in Noah's day, a spiritual salvation as it relates to water baptism. How do we know that? Because it says it's, it's not the removal of the dirt, filth of the flesh. So it's not a physical cleansing, but it's the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ saves us when we're baptized. I mean, when you go through that verse and you finally boil it down, it says, baptism doth also now save us. I don't think God would say baptism saves us if you didn't have to be baptized to be saved. Now, we're not saying it's anything like, well, there's the salvation's in the water. No, the salvation's in the blood. The question is, when does the blood of Christ wash away your sins? 
Not when you believe, but when you're baptized, according to these four passages. You got to be baptized to be saved. If you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755. Now, let's compare those four verses that clearly and conclusively prove a person has to be baptized in water to be saved. I know a lot of people are not going to like that, but that's just what God's word says, so we accept it. Here's a quote from the Standard Manual for Baptist Churches. It says, in the apostolic age, when there was but one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, and no differing denominations existed, let's remember that, we'll probably come back to that, no differing denominations existed in the apostolic age. It's talking about that time. It says, and I resume the quote, the baptism of a convert constituted him a member of the church. In that sense, baptism was the door into the church. Now it is different. Again, I ask, who made it different? Why did the Baptist church think they had a right to change it? They're admitting that in the first century, in the apostolic age, when no differing denominations existed, that baptism was the door into the church. But now they're saying it's different. Are they remaining in the teaching heard from the beginning, 1 John 2, 24? If when we find that the Bible teaches you got to be baptized to be saved, they say, but now it's different. But now it's different than in the apostolic age. You don't have to be baptized to be saved anymore. And if they're not remaining in the teaching heard from the beginning, what does 1 John 2, 24 say is the result? They're not continuing in the Son and the Father. You can't be saved without continuing in the Son and the Father. And then here's a quote from Ben Bogart, a famous Baptist debater. He says, the scriptures teach that the sinner obtains remission of his sins and answer to prayer before baptism. That, that directly contradicts Acts 2.38. that says you got to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So the Baptist church is saying you get the remission of sins in answer to prayer before baptism. And Acts 2.38 is saying you got to repent and be baptized to get the remission of sins. And Acts 22.16 is saying that when you're baptized, that's when your sins are washed away. I don't think there could be, it could be said really any clearer than this. Do you? These verses, there's nothing ambiguous about these four passages that conclusively prove you got to be baptized to be saved. They just say it flat out. But people don't want to believe that. And so they say, no, you get the remission of sins in answer to prayer before baptism. When Acts 2.38 says you got to repent and be baptized to get the remission of sins. Let me repeat it. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Now, so is the Baptist church remaining in the teaching heard from the beginning? If there, if we have verses that teach you got to be baptized to be saved, and then a church teaches you don't have to be baptized to be saved, are they remaining in the teaching heard from the beginning? Obviously not. But what does 1 John 2.24 then say is going to be the result? Well, let me read that verse again. 1 John 2.24 says, If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and the Father. Now, the teaching heard in the beginning, the original teaching, the original doctrine says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But now we have churches that teach you don't have to be baptized to be saved. Therefore, they're not remaining in the teaching heard from the beginning. Therefore, they're not continuing in the Son and the Father. Therefore, they're not saved. It's as simple as that. Now, most churches who teach you don't have to be baptized to be saved, instead teach that you're saved by faith only. They teach you're saved by faith only. But James 2.24 says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. 
So a lot of churches teach you're saved by faith only, but James 2.24, that's from God. He says you're justified by works and not by faith only. Well, here's an example. The Methodist church says, wherefore that we are justified by faith only is the most wholesome doctrine and very full of comfort. And then the standard manual for Baptist churches says, we believe the scriptures teach the gift of eternal life is bestowed solely through faith in Christ. So both of those churches are teaching that you're saved by faith only, that eternal life is bestowed solely through faith. But that directly contradicts James 2.24 that says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Now, obviously, these churches that are teaching that you're saved at the point of faith or by faith only are not continuing in the original teaching, the teaching heard from the beginning. The teaching heard from the beginning is you're not saved by faith only. You're not justified by faith only. They're teaching you are justified by faith only. So they're not remaining in the teaching heard from the beginning. And 1 John 2.24 implies that if you don't, then you're not continuing in the Son and the Father. And you can't be saved without continuing in the Son and the Father. So not only must you believe in Jesus, you must follow his teachings to be saved. That's pretty clear, isn't it? If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. Now let's switch gears just a tiny bit. In Acts 18.8, we read this. And Crispus believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. Now let's think about that. Crispus and these other Corinthians, it says they heard, believed, and were baptized. Well, were they saved at that point? Well, of course. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Crispus and these Corinthians heard the word of God, believed, and were baptized. So they were saved according to Jesus. But after this happened, after they believed, after they were baptized, after they were saved, because they did what Jesus said to do to be saved, what was Crispus and these other Corinthians at that time? Were they Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Episcopal? Of course not. None of those churches even existed at that time. Remember, we read from that quote about five minutes ago from the Standard Manual for Baptist Churches. It says, in the apostolic age, when there was but one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, and no differing denominations existed. They're right. In the apostolic age, none of these denominations existed. When Crispus believed and was baptized, he was saved. He wasn't a member of any of these denominations. They didn't even exist. Now, let's think about our overriding point that we're trying to make in this in this uh, <clears throat> lesson today. We have to remain in the teaching heard from the beginning if we want to continue in the Son and the Father to be saved. So if we're going to try to continue in the teaching heard from the beginning, wouldn't then we want to do the exact same thing that Crispus and the Corinthians did? They heard the word of God. They believed and they were baptized. They were saved. But they weren't a member of any of these denominations because none of those denominations existed. Instead, they were just added to the Lord's church, Acts 2.47. They were automatically members of the church that belonged to Christ because they had done what Christ said to do to be saved. And anybody that's saved, according to Acts 2.47, is added to that church that belongs to Christ. There was no denominational church that existed at that time. They just were a member of the church that belonged to Christ. If we're going to try to remain in the teaching heard from the beginning, 
And we better, because if we don't, we're not going to be continuing the Son of the Father. We're not going to be saved. We're going to try to duplicate then what Christmas and these Corinthians did, and that means we're going to believe and be baptized to be saved, and then we're not going to become a member of any denominational church because we're going to try to remain in the teaching heard from the beginning and be like Crispus and these other Corinthians and everybody else that was saved in that first century time frame. They didn't become a member of any denomination. Those denominations didn't exist then. They were automatically became a member of the church that belonged to Christ, Acts 2.47, when they were baptized, Acts 2.41. Is that hard to understand? If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. So if we're going to remain in the teaching heard from the beginning, we're going to want to do what the people did in the beginning when they believed and when they were baptized and they were saved from their sins, we're going to be want to do like them because that's the original teaching, the original doctrine, and that is not become a member of any denominational church. They didn't become a member of a denominational church, and they were saved. They couldn't have. Those churches didn't exist back then. So why can't we do the same thing as them? Not only why couldn't we do the same thing as them, don't we really have to do the same thing as them in order to remain in the teaching heard from the beginning, that original doctrine, so that we can continue in the Son and the Father and be set? Sure looks like to me we would need to do the same thing they did in the first century if we're going to continue in the Son and the Father because we've got to remain in that original teaching to continue in the Son and the Father. Now, either 1 John 2.24 teaches we have to adhere to the doctrine at the beginning to be saved or it doesn't. And I think we've proven that it does teach that. Before we go off the air, let's look at a couple of other passages that teach the same thing as 1 John 2.24, just so you'll be doubly sure we're not teaching something false when we read and believe exactly what 1 John 2.24 says. It's Galatians 1.9. How about that? It says, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that ye have received, let him be cursed. Let him be accursed. What is Paul saying there? He's saying, you got to preach the same gospel that I preach, that New Testament gospel. And if you don't, you're going to be accursed. Well, isn't that really saying the same thing as 1 John 2.24 that says you have to remain in the teaching heard from the beginning? The teaching heard from the beginning would be that gospel that Paul preached. It's saying you got to remain in that teaching Believe and teach and practice and follow that same doctrine taught in the very beginning if you want to continue in the Son and the Father and be saved. That's, that's what Paul said in Galatians 1.9. You've got to preach the same gospel I preached. That original gospel, the teaching heard from the very beginning, represented by the New Testament, nothing added to or nothing subtract, subtracted. Galatians 1.9 said if you don't do that, you're going to be accursed, which would, of course, be the opposite of continuing in the Son and the Father. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. One more passage, 2 John 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Now, what's this passage saying? It's saying you've got to abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ to have God. And of course, you can't be saved if you don't have God. The only way we're going to be saved is through the grace and mercy of God. But this is saying you've got to abide in the teaching of Christ to have God to be saved. Now, most preachers will tell you all you got to do is believe in Jesus to believe in Christ to have God and be saved. But this says not only you have to believe in Christ, you have to abide in the teaching of Christ to have God. Well, isn't that really what First John 2.24 
the verse we started out with, isn't that what that's saying? That verse says, if that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also should continue in the Son and the Father. In other words, you have to remain in that original teaching, the teaching heard from the beginning to continue in the Son and the Father to be saved. Well, that teaching heard from the beginning, that would be the doctrine of Christ, wouldn't it? So 2 John 9 is saying the same thing as 1 John 2.24, just in different words. You have to abide in the teaching heard from the beginning, which is the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine represented exactly by the New Testament, no additions or subtractions. You have to abide in that doctrine of Christ to have God, to continue in the Son of the Father, to be saved. you got to do more than just believe in Jesus to be saved. You have to follow his teachings. And everybody teaching and practicing all these different things, they can't all be following the teaching of Christ. Two plus two cannot equal four and five at the same time. If you'd like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753. Free phone Bible study, 256-682-9753.